do the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? You're drowning and I throw you a life jacket. Would you grab it? Yes. Good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask them how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they going to say? No? I don't want to see those returns. Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show them a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know that. That's it. I'm done. Welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tim Howie. Mr. Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures up four. NASDAQ Futures up 33. Dow Futures up seven. That's, uh, last night we were, I think, around 50 in the spool, in the S&Ps. We were down like two-something in the NASDAQ. So we've totally flipped around again. We do this like every few hours now. We just totally flipped the whole thing back and forth. And not exactly sure why, but we do. Um, had all the kind of Fed stuff going yesterday. A lot to talk about. Lou, how are you? I'm very good, sir. How are you this morning? Well, all right, so far we're actually, we're 20 degrees this morning as opposed to like five below yesterday, so a little nicer coming in. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I listened to that. I thought to myself, thank God I am not walking, you know, walking in from my house to the train station and then from the train station to the, to the studio, uh, like, uh, like I was there for low those many years. Well, it made you tough, you know. It, it, it was a... <laughs> That's right, yeah. That which doesn't kill me makes me stronger, right? Well, you know, as, as, uh, everybody who's in the, the, since the dawn of time, the most the productive people, uh, all parts of the world are all in the, the time zones like this, right? Uh, that's correct. Northern hemisphere. Yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's where it's, that's where it's going. I'm sure there's some, uh, there's some protected category embraced, uh, embraced there, but, um, I, I, I noted uh, part of the reason I think you're you're seeing these wide fluctuations in the in the uh, the market is is because you know there's a tentative military invasion about to take place yeah. and a tentative huge financial backlash if uh, or at least if they're serious about pushing that a, a financial backlash now that they seem to have the uh, the president's attention that uh, that could occur and that'll that'll royal markets for for months if if we go through with the stuff we're talking about going through with well i have a, a kind of a, a legal question that maybe you maybe can't answer but uh, um, but you might <laughs> uh, and then we'll then let's talk about that cuz i I'll, I'll at least have an I'll at least have an opinion i always have an opinion whether i know anything or not well i was uh um, cuz i was actually um, really looking forward to talking to you today because i i'm kind of curious is it just what if you add this all up Money-wise, for Putin, you know the pluses and the minuses, with whatever backlash he might get and all kinds of stuff and whatever. How does how are they figuring out? Is it worth it to him or not? Well, let's let's belay that for a second because I have a question. The um, I don't know what things are like out in Colorado, but here we have the uh, amazing increases in utility bills. You know, most of it totally unjustified, if you ask me, but. Uh, my brother was asking the other day because he just was telling me about his bill, and then one of the guys who works in the building, oh, big guy, <laughs> what's wrong with my gas bill? Uh, they've got this thing to the point where now again, I'm, I'm going to switch utilities here in a second, so it's not you know equal equal, but uh, anyway, they're up about I think they're up fifty percent or forty percent from last year, right? So in the midst of this mess. Uh, there's this <clears throat> big ongoing alleged investigation case, whatever you want to call it, 
regarding uh, uh, Madigan being essentially paid off by Commonwealth Edison, right? Sure. Madigan and Gang. Well, first of all, among other people. Well, but I mean, if all you have to do is is look at their their lobbyist crap, you know, and every function they've gone through for the last twenty years for every guy who's in power, every kind of campaign di- contribution. If you don't want to call it payoffs, well, fine. Call it whatever it is, but on the South Side, it's payoff, right? Forever. And yet, and no matter what happens, these guys win and the citizens lose. I mean, yeah, I mean, I just, you know, I mean, maybe you can shut me off here if he thinks I'm going too far, but I don't, the fact is, that's the case. That's, that's the fact, Jack, or whatever was the one movie. And, uh, so some guy, or guys, or ladies, files a lawsuit, in some middle middle Illinois, I mean, of course, if it's it's past I eighty, it's downstate, right? So south of Chicago files a, a lawsuit saying that if if Madigan is convicted or this other kind of stuff, you know, he estimates it's thirty percent on his bill or whatever the hell he, number he put in there. He says, okay, I got my business and my house for the last ten years. Here's the number. I want my money back. And the judge immediately dismisses the thing with some legal precedent about. Oh no, you can't do that because of like this law. And it was something I heard on the radio, but I didn't hear it on loud enough. But there was some some legal deal that no, you you can't sue like a utility, or if, if they could, if they even if they're convicted of of using the wrong formula for your bill, whatever it was, it just got wung out of court right away. And my question is, why? If if that actually happened, why doesn't everybody get their money back for the last ten years? Well, because. Even though you may you may convict Madigan of taking bribes, that is not necessarily that doesn't give you a cause of action against the um, against the utility. It's not a slam dunk against the utility that the utility prices were were fixed to that to that bribe pain, and you, you have to draw the, the utility company would be entitled to its day in court to come in and say. Well, yeah, we bribed the guy, but but here's how much, you know, here's how much we, you know, we we raised the rates as a result of that, or the rates were raised as a result of some other stuff, and we bribed him just so that we could continue to make money. We were going to lose money unless we bribed him. Well, I don't, we I don't bribed him just to keep our just to keep our books even. Okay, but I, I, I that part I get. You know, they surely would get their 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 defense, and it would be a real tough win. I think I'm with you on that, but this. No, he just he names some point of law and says, "No, you can't, you can't like sue a federal agency even if they or a state agency." Oh, 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 okay. So he may have he may have all right. So so state governments and federal governments have something called sovereign immunity as a general rule. You don't get to sue the sovereign, the the state, without the state's consent. Um, the United States has abrogated that with respect to certain types of claims. There's a thing called the Federal Tort Claims Act that that eliminates sovereign immunity for certain types of offenses, but as a general rule, you can't do it. And unless the state has enacted, and I, I assume Illinois, and I haven't, I haven't looked at this, so I don't know, but I assume that Illinois has, has something comparable, but the State Utility Commission or decisions made by a state agency, that, that like, like the Utilities Commission, that does not Waive sovereign immunity, specifically waive sovereign immunity, makes the, those decisions effectively immune from court review. Okay, but I mean, uh, someplace, somewhere, this is what I, you know, kind of where I go with a lot of like my, my CPI numbers and stuff. 
someplace, if you look at like what Commonwealth Edison charges, and you look at what like some other utility in some other state may charge, it's like double or triple. I mean, I, at some point though, you have to sit there and say, wait a minute, what what, what are we doing with these people? But, but this is this is the nightmare that you have, and we're finding this is true, by the way, in our, our lawsuits over the vaccine mandates. This is the nightmare you have when your government lines up against the people. You don't have recourse because you'll come into you'll come into court and say, "I want to sue. I want to sue because my rates have been too high as a result of political malfeasance on the part of certain state officials." And the first thing the court says is, "Well, you know, you're suing the state." So we're immune, generally. You got an exception to the law, to the law that allows you to come in and sue us. Well, yeah, I've got, you know, I'm going after the State Utilities Commission. Well, that's an arm of the state government. So the State Utilities Commission is, is immune, you know, under this, under this doctrine. And you can't, you can't reach that. But I know that the money was paid and these decisions were, were made in this way. Well, yeah, but you can't get to that evidence because that evidence is blocked under this state law that precludes it from being revealed. Or I can't give you the minutes of the meetings that show that they were discussing who was going to bribe who, if that's what happened, who was going to bribe who, because that evidence is specifically excluded under this particular rule that the, that the Utilities Commission operates under. I mean, it's, it's this kind of thing. You, you, you may, it, it, it's not just that there's immunity in place, it, it's that you have evidentiary rules and limits on what you have access to as a as a citizen in a lawsuit that precludes you from even being able to even prove that something bad happened. And how, how exactly do they get the right to do that? Uh, when you bribe legislators to to do your bidding, you also bribe them to put laws in place that prevent you from being found out. Like a, a do, do you think, Chief? Do you think there's a do you think it's it's just a, an accident that Illinois has a two-party rule on recording conversations? The reason that rule is in place is because that prevents a private citizen from recording a conversation with a politician uh, who who is involved in some kind of illegal operation, or and, and prevents a citizen from recording that without the politician's consent. That's no accident. Well, it's true. I know if we uh, so, so, if we know, take this, lines this is, here. This is the terrible. This is the terrible thing about about dealing with a government that is, just, you know, has a very significant corruption issue from top to bottom. So democracy is four wolves in one hen passing a law saying that in order to be breakfast you have to have feathers. Something like that. Yes. At least, at least, in a, at least in a state where you've got one party that has dominated. You know, particular aspects of, of state politics for so long, and and it's almost impossible, even if you get a a, a, a governor in place, to, to alter what's happened at the lower levels of, of you know state politics. Um, you see that that's where you, that's one spot that you and I will probably always disagree because I think they're just they're Illinoisans or Chicagoans. If all of a sudden the Republicans got in power, they they'd act the same way. Oh, I, I'm. I'm I understand what you're saying, and, and I, I use that differentiation only because it's the only one I have. I don't have a I don't have a differentiation for uh, you know us, as I said, as, as you and I have talked about many times. In in Illinois and specifically Chicago, there are two parties: us and you. Yep. <laughs> and you want to be us. 
And what did Mike Greco say the new motto should be? Where's mine? Yeah. Yeah, well, I always think Chicago's motto should be global warming, bring it on. But, yeah. Uh, especially after days like yesterday. But let, let me, let me, and let, so, so let me, let me just go then. This is a nice little segue into one of the topics I wanted to raise, which is the retirement of uh, Justice Breyer from the Supreme Court. Since we seem to be talking about laws that make it hard to, to do certain things. You know, one of the, one of the, the real issues that, that a lot of people have is, is, how important the Supreme Court has become, and and one of the reasons the Supreme Court has become so important in our in our national life is that there is effectively almost zero review uh, at at lower at, at a at a legislative level of so many decisions that the president that the president can make just on his own, and and you're seeing this you're, you're seeing this with I think with the vaccine mandates. That, that the president put into place. You saw it with the um, the moratorium on evictions that uh, that President Trump put in place, and that President Biden continued. And and the only review you're going to get on these things, there's no legislature that votes on this. No legislature well, sat down be. and said we're going to mandate uh, OSHA to, or we're going to give OSHA the power to to order everybody to take a shot. This was all done by by the president. And the only review you're going to get, unless you have a, unless you've got, you know, pictures of the president, you know, engaged in sex acts with farm animals, the only review you're going to get, be able to get, is to force that up through the federal courts, and 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 that ultimately, and it's going to go all the way to the Supreme Court because the government has an unlimited supply of money and lawyers to to, to defend, you know, the president's the president's actions, and. and you know, you're not going to be able to rely on other federal agencies for support because those federal agencies will line up behind the behind the president, and the, which is at least in this case, which is exactly what's happening. And that's why that, you know, and it's not just you know vaccine mandates. That's the most recent example. But it, but it could be all kinds of things. And the only way you're going to get a review on that is to get it in front of, of a, a judge, and and then push it all the way up to the Supreme Court, and ultimately they have to rule on it. And well, they're ruling on questions that. You know, affect more and more of us every you know every single day. There used to be some you know fairly arcane legal stuff, and every now and then some big case would come along. Now it's you know it's every month there's some executive order or federal regulation that has intruded into into you know the lives of, of millions of people, and there is no effective review. You can't call your legislature legislator to turn it around. No, there's no it's done whatsoever. And I I was reading last night about. Uh What's who's the, the the Democratic lady from Arizona that, that's with Mansion on some of this stuff? Are you talking about uh, Senator Cinema? Yeah, about how the, the one the one the one whose whose dress uh, whose dress style is is fairly uh, is fairly dynamic. I guess that's a polite word. Um, doesn't make her bad, you know. No, 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 no. Just, that's that's what that's what I mean. That's one of the things she's notable for. Um, well, what was the lady in Chicago that always wore the hats? Dorothy Brown was that her name? I always think of Bella Abzug. No, she's How's, in New York. Now there's, now there's a name that you haven't heard in a while. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, uh... Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Talk about, talk about Kristen. Well, I, I said now, but now all of a sudden they're, uh... The Democrats in, in Arizona are, are, are trying to have a, a primary fight against her next time because she's... Well, they sent, they sent her. Yeah, well, they, but I mean, they're, yeah, they're all over trying to get, get her out of there and they... 
I don't, uh, this is all part of, we've been talking now for like a week or two about somebody who, if, if you're, if you're the last guy or lady elected to the House of Representatives, what does it even mean now? You're just, you're just supposed to be a vote. But I don't, I would never under any circumstances if I put somebody in there, I want, whether I'm a Democrat or Republican, I want a, I want a living, breathing person. I, I mean, if the thought of, of Paul Simon or Adley Stevenson or Dirksen or Percy or any of those people really having a, uh, you know, an idea in their mind that they didn't like this bill, whether it was a Democratic bill or a Republican bill, and they voted against their party, I don't think they would have thought twice about it. And I would, I would think that the, the citizenry of the time would have said, good for you. That's why I have you there to think. Um, I, what, what is this? You got to line up and vote this way all the time. Where did this come from? Why, 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 why are we turn into a nation of idiots? That's not a Congress. What is that? I don't, I mean, I don't know what that is. It, it, it's a tribe. Well, and, and that's, and that's what you're, that's what you're getting right now is this tribal. When you polarize things the way, the way they are now, uh, and it's, I mean, it's been this way for a while. Yeah. But when you polarize things like this, you, you end up with tribal, you know, with tribal loyalties and tribal pushes. And I mean, you talk about, if you want to see real fights, talk to people about vaccine status or talk to parents about vaccine issues with their children. You know, none of us in this, in this little media operation you've got going, you guys don't have kids. And, and, you know, I've got, I, I, my kids are, are both adults, but I can tell you right now that, that, there is a tribal war going on yep. over over vaccine status for for children, and it's it has nothing to do with the science. It has nothing to do with data. It simply has to do with are you one of the tribe or not? And this this carries on into our. It, this is just a manifestation of of the kind of thing that's been going on in our body politic for a while. She is she is disloyal. She's leaving the tribe. You saw the same thing pushed against another Arizona senator, and that was McCain. Yeah. Who, depending on whether he was supporting Barack Obama or, or uh, you know, Bill Clinton or not, was either a saint in the mainstream press or you know, or the devil. And and you know, this kind of I, I agree with you. I, I, I think I think this kind of independence and, and thoughtful independence. I, I call it thoughtful independence because I I tend to agree with with uh, their positions. But, but this kind of independence used to be celebrated, and, um, and and it's not now. I mean, somebody raised the issue, and I, I think it's a good one. The Democrats, the thing with Breyer retiring, you know, he he didn't announce this yesterday. This really? was this was leaked. Somebody leaked this out of the Supreme Court to um, to the press to to force him out as quickly as possible and to let the Democratic the Democrats in the Senate get as much time as possible to tee up you know whatever they need to do to, to get uh, a uh, not him replaced because they are terrified of what's going to happen at the midterm elections and, and this is you know this is very much you know straight up good old fashioned power power politics um, but I don't I don't think you know the president has spent the last what five months Demonizing Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema. Yeah. Why? Why would they? Why would they vote for a Supreme Court nominee who's been selected on the basis of her gender and race? Well, yeah. I mean, I yeah. wouldn't. Uh, it, it cuts out I, w- without. I'm, I'm sure, without question, 
if you look hard enough, you're going to find, matter of fact, I was out with my uh, judge gang last night, and I was, we were talking about this very subject, and uh, one of the guys said, well, one of, one of the, the best criminal judges here in the city, if not the best, is a African-American lady in her late 30s. She's never makes a mistake, always knows the stuff, just knows her crap, and, and cares about what she's doing. So, you know, if you get in front of her, you know you got a fair, a fair shake coming your way. And, uh, he says, it's not like they're not around. <laughs> you know, he, oh, no. you know, he's about to, but he, but he also, if you do the math, what is it, 20% of the population is black, and half the population is female. So, about 13% of the population is African American. Uh, alright, so you're down to what, 8% of the, of the pool that you're going to select from to be a Supreme Court person for yeah, life. But you, but you, but you cut back. Now, there are, there are a number of, and I say a number, you know, probably, probably 30, 40, uh, African American female judges in federal, the federal court system who have the kind of experience level that you would look for in a, in a Supreme Court justice. I, I don't know I don't know how many are on the courts of appeal, which is typically where you would draw somebody like that from. But yeah, I, I don't. You're not looking at a. You're not looking at a Kamala Harris situation. Let me put it that way. Well, let me just just the way this works. Uh, you don't. What was who's the guy that they made the Supreme Court the chief of the Supreme Court that wasn't even a he wasn't a judge was he at least a lawyer was that the was that Warren who was it one of those guys. Uh, well, Warren had not been a judge. I believe Warren was plucked directly from the administration at the time. He was like an attorney general or something like that. Well, you, and you, I think he was a judge. Do you, do you, question one, do you, do you even have to be a lawyer? I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, not constitutionally, anyway. Was there, is there a difference between... The chief one and the rest of the guys? No. The chief one is, the chief one is simply the guy who, well, I say there's a difference. Yeah, there is, there is in the sense, the chief justice is the one who generally assigns the writing of opinions. He's got an administrative role, but he's, it doesn't mean he's smarter or that his vote counts. But I'm saying that one, anybody else's. Well, it isn't like the, 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 say the schmo judges. The regular judges have to be lawyers and the chief justice does. There's, there's no delineation no. like that. Okay. So yeah. we don't know if he has to be a lawyer, and he surely doesn't have to be a judge. He had to have been a judge. No, that, that's that's correct. Um, is that a positive, negative? And it seems kind of rare that would happen. Um, you know, my personal opinion is that. Well, okay, let me back up. So, so Kagan, my, probably one of my favorite judges on the, just in terms of her ability to see both sides of the issue, is Kagan. So Kagan was a judge, but she had spent a long time uh, working as a solicitor general uh, under, uh, I believe it was under Obama. But anyway, she she she'd been she'd been a, a solicitor general for a long time. Uh, what, what do they do? Is, or what do they do? Oh, the solicitor general of the United States. Yeah, she's responsible for defending the United States in every court action against okay. the U.S. and she represents the United States in court. And she, she was arguing cases in front of the Supreme Court. And there, there's, there's a tremendous advantage in having Supreme Court justices who actually have practiced law at, at a, you know, as a lawyer 
not just as a judge, but as an advocate for one side or the other, who understand the machinations that come in, who understand the, the issues with clients and how clients drive litigation, who understand the, the ins and the outs of the procedural issues that, that face, you know, that face uh, litigators. So, so who understand, for example, that when the federal government comes in, one of the reasons that the, the Biden administration announced a vaccine mandate in September and said, you're going to all have to be vaccinated, but vaccinated by the beginning of November. The reason they did that was so that it would make it almost impossible to get a lawful court challenge all the way up the chain before almost everybody had to get a shot. That, that, that's just the way, that's why they did it that way. Um, they, they, and we know that because this is what they did with the, the that's what the Biden people did with the eviction moratorium. They, they pushed it out and said, you know what, we'll be able to, we'll be able to disperse a couple of billion dollars before the courts get around to reviewing this. So, so a, a judge who has litigated understands these kinds of, these kinds of machinations. Not necessarily that one, but, but these kinds of machinations by, by defendants and, and other people and, and has a real good feel about what that means to people who are trying to work their way up and try to assert their rights through the court system. And, and I think there's a real benefit to that. And, uh, you know, whether the, you know, it, it's, it's somebody who's, who's practiced for, you know, years in a, in a government job or practiced for years in a, in a private sector job. I just think there's a lot of benefit to having to having that kind of diversity. The other thing, of course, and I this will this will sound weird because I went to one of these law schools, but I, I'm I really want more diversity in our in our bench. I'm tired of seeing people coming out of just you know three or four law schools getting to the Supreme Court. That that has an you know I want more intellectual diversity. I want I want more guys like Gorsuch who you know who, who come out of Colorado or or other places other law schools that that have proved themselves in the court system in litigation as attorneys whatever rather than just looking at academic uh, legal theoreticians which which is what we we have a tendency to to draw from and and you know I I mean and that goes on both sides. Well, that's what I could sort of, so, we got to go so break maybe, here. So maybe, maybe the draw, you know, here's the irony. You know, diversity, you and I have been in business, in the business world, through this entire diversity um, development, entire development of diversity culture. And, and do you remember the original justification for, you know, racial gender diversity? Well, I mean, maybe by justification. I as a, yeah, justification. Why why should businesses do it? Because there was no legal requirement to do it. There still isn't. Well, if you're you, right, you know what you know what the original right. justification was? It was because it would be it it would generate intellectual and diversity and diversity of thought and diversity of approaches to problems. That was the justification. If you bring in people who don't look like you, they will have manifestly they will have different ways of solving problems different ways of looking at issues, it will make your business stronger because of this diversity of thought. Well, and, and in theory, it made sense, right? Well, clearly, if there's a, if there's a, a any kind of, if you're trying to sell something to somebody, 
you're trying to sell something to the Asian community, it might have might be a good idea to listen to an Asian person once in a while and see what everybody wants. Right. Well, it, we, we've moved away from that. I mean, that that whole issue disappeared a long time ago, or that thought process disappeared a long time ago. Now it's simply a quota headcount of of women, African Americans, Hispanics, whatever. But but that was the original push, and and reaching out through. I mean, this may be the irony of, of what Biden's talking about, but it seems to me that if he's going to reach out and say, look, I'm going to look for these kinds of qualifications, first of all, he shouldn't have announced it that way. But if, in fact, he's going to do that, we could well end up with a different kind of, of outlook up on the court. I don't agree. I, I disagree with hardly anything that, that uh, Justice Sotomayor says, but she definitely brings a, a, a perspective. I don't think it's a very good perspective. But she definitely brings a perspective to the to the court that's not there, and we may you know we may well get somebody like that who's outside that mainstream of Ivy League law schools. We we may well get somebody like that who who gets you know gets the nomination. We'll see. Um, S P futures down four fifteen. Nasdaq futures up sixteen. Uh, we've got a big move in the bonds, uh, kind of the opposite way which you would expect today. So which means the uh, the Fed somehow is probably putting money back in. I, the uh, well, we'll be right back, Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com/jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. 
Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage health care costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello, welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Arnold. I'm Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures down 475. They were down 50 last night, and then they were up when we came in. This is... This is a bizarre world by far. We're running around all over the place here. As that futures up 22, we were up, uh, I'm going to say 80 some, uh, S&Ps yesterday. At one point we were down 25 or 30, and then we finished like almost unchanged. It's, um, this is, uh, well, like I said, it's a pretty crazy world. I don't know how even define it. Dow's down 68. Uh, over in Europe, we've got the DAX down 57.4%. What's the up 41.5%? Get around down 17.3%. So they, um, don't exactly know what's going on over there, except Deutsche Bank is up 4.7%, but I think they've been down for a while. Uh, over in Asia, Nikkei down 841, that's 3%. Shanghai down 61, that's almost 2%, 1.8. The Hang Seng is down 42, that's exactly 2%. Uh, South Korea was down as well. Uh, they're not so big on the, the Fed remarks, because I, I'm, we'll talk about it in a minute. But yesterday, the Dow ended up down 129, S&P down 6, NASDAQ up 2, after being up Huge, virtually all the day till Powell started talking. Ten-year down one basis point, 1.83. The Bund minus point zero four. That's up three basis points. Japan also up three basis points. The positive point one six. I haven't seen that in like a real long time. Uh, oil up seventy five cents, eighty eight ten. These guys are going up like every day now. Brent up seventy nine cents, ninety seventy five. Natural gas up nine cents to four thirty six. So that continues to be very volatile for natural gas. Our Bob up a penny to two fifty four. We've got gold down 17 bucks. This 1811 was up to almost 1850 the other day, so it's taken in the crap over there on the, on the gold. Silver down six cents. I'm sorry, down 63 cents at 2317. That's a big move. Again, violent moves between about 2290 and 2410. It just never leaves the middle. Just violently up and down in there. Uh, copper down four cents, 447. And we've got Bitcoin on 466, but 36,580, uh, a ways away from the 31 or wherever it bottomed out the other day. So, it's at least it's, uh, well, it's not 63, but it's not under 30 either. Maybe we have force traffic with the sports. 39 minutes past the hour. Good morning to everyone out there. We have one issue on the area expressways, and that's on the Dan Ryan. Apparently there was an overnight crash involving one semi-tractor trailer rear-ending another at about 2.30 this morning on the inbound Ryan at 83rd Street. This caused serious injuries uh, reported uh, to both drivers. The driver of the semi that hit the other had to be extricated. Uh, and then the semi that was hit is carrying drywall, so apparently that's spilled all over the expressway now, and this is causing solid traffic and actually has... Matty, at 20 bucks a sheet, we should go grab some. Yeah, well, it's a little cold for that. Uh, blocking the three right lanes right now, this uh, this crash that happened uh, about five, four or five hours or so. Looks like about four hours ago. 
Uh, so that's our big issue right now. The Ryan completely jammed up at 83rd Street on the inbound side. No issues on any of the other area expressways as far as accidents or stalls. No delays uh, to speak of. So uh, off to a good start. Just avoid the inbound Ryan if you can. Weather today, it's going to feel balmy out there. Still below freezing, but much warmer than it's been the last week. Uh, we'll reach an overcast high of 31. Right now it's overcast and 22 degrees downtown. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 70. Right now it's clear and 42. In sports, the Bulls beat the Raptors last night 111-105. to Bulls built a big lead and then blew the lead. Actually gave it up in the fourth, but uh, hit some big shots down the stretch to win that game. Bulls are 30-17, and number two in the East. A half game behind top-seeded Miami, who also won last night. Suns beat the Jazz 105-97. The Suns have the best record in the NBA, 38-9, and number one in the West. In hockey, the Blackhawks uh, got off to a hot start. Four goals in the first period as they walloped the Detroit Red Wings on the road. 8-5 to was the final in that one. College Hoops, Notre Dame beat NC State 73-65. to Irish uh, playing well in the ACC, 6-2 and two so well, there's far. Like, there's like nobody there. Kevin uh, called me. They were, on Mar- they were on the marquee network last night. Yeah, I noticed that. They're, the North Carolina-Boston College game was also on that channel, so they must have some sort of contract with the ACC. Uh, Northwestern had a seven-point lead on the road at Michigan with about four and a half minutes left. And then uh, they got outscored down the stretch and lost a heartbreaker to the Wolverines, seventy-two to seventy. Chief, what uh, did the Phoenix team add anybody, or is it just the playoff team from last year? Well, they were in the finals last year and should have won the whole thing. Well, yeah, and then they blew they blew their lead in that series and lost to Milwaukee and. They brought everyone back. They may have added some minor pieces, but it's pretty much the same group. Oh no! So no, uh, no major. No, I mean they were really good last year. Yeah. They were their favorites. Um, so Lou, uh, I mean obviously, if you uh, before before you get before you get going, I just want to acknowledge, you know, um, the, uh, the the great the great Joe Rogan Spotify. Oh yeah. Uh, debate or fight with Neil Neil Young, who <laughs> said. Who said, and he doesn't even own the rights to his songs anymore, but he said, take my music off Spotify or take Joe Rogan off Spotify. Apparently, following the request of the uh, Surgeon General, who called upon social media to censor uh, Rogan and right. other people giving out, quote, misinformation, unquote. But anyway, Neil Young said, listen, you know, my son, my music is marvelous, and take my music off or take Joe Rogan, you know, if you don't take Joe Rogan off. And, and Rogan has, I think, 11 million subscribers that listen to his show, you know, every week or whenever it is he broadcasts it. And Neil Young, I think, has three. So this was an easy, <laughs> easy choice. Well, you know, since, uh, since we got on Spotify, our listenership's gone up quite a bit. Yeah. Well, well, I, I, I'd love to, I'd love to talk to Mr. Rogan, who I think, uh, I think is a very good interviewer, but anyway. The, the Neil, Neil Young. Right now, it's Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan one. Neil Young zero. Well, the my uh, my gang, uh, my nameless Wednesday gang of uh, attorneys and, and judges. Uh, one of them has a bunch of uh, grandkids, and many know what I'm talking about. They live up on the North Shore, and uh, you know they got they got dough. But uh, so they're they're getting the mothers are they're they're basically South Side um, mothers, even though they live on the North Shore. They're so tired of a kid getting uh COVID in the school, everybody going going home for a few days and going back and, and the kids find their they said, you know, we're we're just gonna bring everybody together and everybody's gonna get it like like the old measles moms used to you know, this is crazy. Yeah. 
mean, that's oh, absolutely crazy. But but, but the, the, the the stupid thing is, so so this is all of this. All of our programs now are taking it out on children. Yeah, there's absolutely no reason to mask children. There's no reason to force vaccinations. The the den, in Denver. And I'm going to call these people out because I think this is outrageous. I think the leadership of this organization ought to be fired. The Denver Children's Museum, over the weekend, you know, they were enforcing a mask mandate because although Colorado does not have a mask mandate, Denver, you know, a a classically blue city does. So they were enforcing the mask mandate. And, you know, this is a mask mandate on on everybody, you know. So you got two-year-olds and three-year-olds, four-year-olds coming in, being forced to put masks on. And, and people objected, and they were mean, apparently, to the staff. So the Denver, the Denver Children's Museum just shuts down. It just, just closes up. It says, we're not opening again. Mass mandate supposedly expires on February 4th for Denver. We're not opening up again so our staff can process, you know, the, the, the anguish and, and safety issues as a result of people being mean to them and arguing with them about the mass mandates. And I'm, I, I, my reaction was, you've got to be kidding me. Well, Chicago, the, one of the students, few sir. places in the city that actually offers, you know, indoor options for for entertaining children, and your staff can't deal with this, and you shut it down. This is just we, staff, we have absolutely no qualms. The staff wants about to get paid. children. So the staff wants to get paid. I mean, here in Chicago, you know, they, the newest thing is now you have, you have you have students. You know, since, since when do you give a a microphone to like a ten year old? Uh, and so, but the, the 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 news outlets here are. So the kid can yell in there that he doesn't he doesn't feel safe at school with other kids not wearing masks. Oh, I know. What, what is I know. What is this all about? I mean, what are we doing here? Uh, well, it's it's about it's about the parents, you know, using the children as their as their mouthpieces yeah, the while we, as I said, while, while we shut down the education for the rest I, of our kids. It's crazy. I think the parents want the kids in school. The kids don't want to be there. Neither the teachers. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> we didn't want to be right. there either. But I guarantee, uh, when I was twelve, if I had the opportunity to get out of school, I would. Oh, I would take it. more importantly, Maddie, if you had the opportunity to sound to, to exercise a little power. You know, as a twelve year old, absolutely. Somebody sticks a microphone in your face. You're taking it, man. Damn right. Well, the uh, when, when did when, show my. What answer. do I have to say? Who do, who do I have to talk to? What do I have to say? <laughs> Give me that microphone. Well, when I was a, a, a freshman, we had the the, the major blizzard of '67, uh, still Chicago's record blizzard. And you know, one of these days, Betty and Jill come over, and I, I still I still have the Tribune reran the magazine section for that. I think I still have it, but it, it's it, amazing pictures of just buses with snow in the buses, and everybody just went home and type of thing. It was like the day. When we first started, Manny, that day when everybody just left their cars in Lakeshore Drive, only like a hundred times worse. Uh, anyway, they, we were getting days off, and as soon as I heard that the, uh, they were going to be added to the end of the year, I'm like, wait a minute. I'd, I'd rather have a day off in May than now. Get the snow the hell out of here. I mean, I mean if there's a, if there's ever any, you know, quid pro quo, even, even if you're, even if you're 15, you sit there and go, I'd rather go to school a day in January rather than pay up a day in June, right? I mean, uh, when I when I could go out and do something, but hey, what I want to ask ask you ask you, as they say in the South Side, uh, when when we, we've you know obviously not so much in our lifetime, but I guess if you look at all the wars that have been fought in our lifetime, there's a lot of them that your 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 leaders of com- countries, you know, don't necessarily have a uh, you know an, an intelligence about them. Sometime, I mean, uh, I mean, obviously Adolf Hitler had been better off. Using the Jewish population as war effort than he would be commandeering 
trains to take people to concentration camps that the army wanted to use. I mean, it, I mean, it made, it made, in addition to being barbaric, it made no sense. Uh, but do any of these people, I mean, it, obviously if Putin does this stuff and he, and he, and he is able to walk in in one day, take over Ukraine, uh, Ukraine, as our girl would say, uh, what, you know, there, there, there's some benefit or some economic benefit to Russia from doing that. But if it's some, you know, drawn out half-ass war, guerrilla activities, something you got to put poor money into for the next 10 years and, uh, just to, to keep a lid on the place. And oh, by the way, other countries are going to be making you pay other, other places. How do, how do you, do you think he's even figuring if it add, if it's going to add up to a, po- a net positive for him? Not to, even if you, if you forget about the people that are getting wounded and, and killed, just on an economic sense, how does he figure, or does he figure, whether this is going to be an economic plus to them or not? I mean, I, he's not looking, I don't think he's looking at it from the standpoint of economics. And I realize this runs counter to your basic theology that everything is economics. Look, he's, looking at it from the, he's looking at it from the standpoint of popular support. And, and in the great Russian national view, you know, viewpoint, uh, they need to have, this is, this is a defensive action by, by Russia. They, they are, are, you know, we don't, we don't see this stuff that gets broadcast on, on Russian television. Um, I, I track it, I follow it. And, and they are, you know, they are portraying this as a defensive war. They, that, that NATO is positioning weapons in Ukraine in an effort to attack Russia and, and shut down Russia. And so Putin tra- uh, taps into this Russian nationalism and says, I am defending the sacred homeland here. I don't think he's going to do a full-scale invasion, occupation, because the Russians knew, you know, I mean, they know that the Ukrainians are perfectly capable of executing a very effective partisan behind-the-line operation that could that could pin down and paralyze Russian military forces for for years, and so he may well launch indirect fire attacks on Kiev. He may shell cities. He may destroy airports with with artillery and rockets. But I don't I don't know if he's going to try to occupy any territory other than maybe the the corridor from what is it Maripol to. Uh, to uh, Sevastopol, uh, Sevastopol, the naval base they have there in Crimea. That, that, I mean, from a strategic standpoint, that would make sense to have that land bridge open. He may try to occupy that. I'm not convinced they're going to try to advance their forces any more than they than they are now with that, except with that one land bridge. I, I could, I could be wrong, but I don't. You know, they may advance, but I don't think they're going to try to hold the territory. They're comfortable holding what they've got right now, which had a Russian-speaking majority uh, in the eastern side of the country, and uh, I think they're comfortable, you know, maintaining that. They're not facing large guerrilla operations or partisan operations there. What he's doing now is he's he's catering to his political ambitions and his political stability, which allows him to a signal that you know Russia is not going to get. Uh, Surrounded and, and boxed in by aggressive anti-Russian Western forces. Two, I can drag the West, the American president, I can push him around, I can hook him up by through the nose and drag him in whichever direction I want to drag him. Watch me make him react. 
watch me make the other Western governments react. Those two things are worth tremendous amounts of political capital to Putin, and and that's why you're seeing that's why you're seeing these activities. I'm just I'm just not convinced that that they're they're looking for a, you know for an, a major invasion right now. Like I said, they will they could well attack. They could rain fire down on these on these various places, but they'll do that without having to put boots on the ground. There's, I I certainly don't see them taking Kiev. Well, there's a. Ukraine at one point I was like it was pretty much the breadbasket of Russia, right? Oh, it's been it's been part of the Russian Empire for you know a hundred years. Well, I mean, I mean I'm, I didn't mean politically. I mean just from that area, they are. Oh yeah, they're sort of, so. I mean, but, but there's the active trade that I'm assuming is still going on. Uh, in other words, it's not like there's there's you know gold or lithium fields there that they're dying to get or oil or anything like that. Or, or is there? No, 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 no. This is, but this, this, they don't need, you know, they don't need Ukraine for, for its agricultural benefits. They, they, Ukraine is a buffer for them, like Belarus and, and, you know, the way they had set up in Eastern Europe. Ukraine is just part of that buffer. And they don't, from their perspective, a, a Russian, uh, politician would come to us and say, Imagine if China was moving weapons into Canada or to Mexico. You would not tolerate it. We don't tolerate, we don't tolerate NATO moving weapons in and setting up an anti-Russian buffer, uh, in, in, on our, on our border. Now, you know, the, 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 the fallacy of that argument, of course, is that NATO is not, NATO is not you know, expansionist in the sense that we want to conquer, or NATO wants to conquer territory or force people to join. And and this is the issue, this is one of the non-starters that's come out of this negotiation. The Russians want to guarantee that NATO's not going to be in, or uh, Ukraine's not going to be in NATO, and our response quite logically is, NATO gets, or uh, Ukraine gets to decide for itself. Um, and and, and you, you guys need to figure out some other way to deal with the fact that you scared the living daylights out of all your neighbors, and that's why they want to join a defense coalition. Well, um, but, the, but the Russians don't see it that way. But the rest of NATO, despite what they might might lip sync, have have zero intention of of having to go to war for Ukraine if they get invaded. So, I mean, is Britain and France really want Ukraine in there under the same auspices as other people? We would, we would, we would love to have. I think we would love to have NATO or uh, uh, Ukraine as, as a member of NATO because that stabilizes uh, most of, of Eastern Europe. But, but, you know, that's up. That's up to the, you know, that's up to the Ukrainians. The, the, the Russians are furious that that the Baltic states, Latvia, Estonia, and Lithuania, are NATO members. Well, that's my and, point. And, that's what I'm know, saying. We, we we may not want to go to war over Ukraine, but we are. Uh, Committed by treaty to go to war if the Russians decide they want to get into Lithuania. Well, I'll tell you what, if we're going to end up in a major shooting war, if that happens. Okay, so my point is, we can have some bump. uh, When I won't say bump, I just did. President sign that treaty. That doesn't mean that if Russians go into Lithuania, that uh, somebody goes on TV here and says your your kids are being drafted tomorrow. Get ready. I mean that 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 dog wouldn't wouldn't hunt anywhere. I don't think. Uh, well, let me put it this way: if if something was let, let's say we we were prepared, we put tanks. There's a, a city in I think it's Lithuania, maybe Latvia. There's a 
city where the Russian border with that country runs down the main part of the city. So one side of the city is in Russia, the other side is in is in Latvia, let's say. Sort of like Berlin. Yeah. We put Abrams tanks with American troops in them on that street facing the Russians on the other side to send a clear message to them, and this is within the last 20 years, to send a clear message to them that we would, you know, we're, we're prepared to commit American lives to this. And, and this would not be, this would not be, a, oh, we're going to have a reasoned debate about drafting your kid. If the fighting started, we'd have tens of thousands of casualties within a matter of a week. And it would be, okay, remember that draft mechanism we had? The first thing we do is we recall all of our reserves. I'm saying we don't have, we don't have the, we don't have the, 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 Maddie, how many of your friends even know where the hell Lithuania is? Well, I know where it is in the general area, but if you if you put a gun to my head and made me pick it out, I I think I'd have like a one in three shot. Yeah, would, would one you, in three. Right, it's one of those three countries on the eastern side of the Baltic. Yep. Would you want to put a, a gun on your shoulder and head over there? <laughs> Hell no! Are you kidding me? Yeah, I'm saying I, I don't. Well, it, 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 let, let me tell you how fast this would go. We would we would be suffering, and I mean the Russians, the Russians would be taking this too. We would be suffering thousands of casualties in the first week, and it would not surprise me to see, you know, and, and, and God forbid the Chinese come in on the middle of it as well. We would, we would, the first thing we would do is we would immediately mobilize our reservists. The second thing that would happen, and it would probably happen very quickly, is we would reach down to something called the Individual Ready Reserve, who are people who have left the military within the last, you know, 10 to 15 years, but who stay on this status, even though they're not reservists, they don't train, but they are available for recall. And we would drag dragging those people out. And and then and then, you know, you the selective service system would, would be geared up. But not if not, well how, how is it that uh, Roosevelt, even with all the stuff going on in the thirties, knew very well that if he tried to pull that before anybody was ready, he'd 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 have a real problem. And now I can't believe that uh Joe Biden or whoever could just all of a sudden tomorrow say, "Hey, guess what, guys? We're in a war. Get ready." I mean, I, I, I'm just, I'm just telling you. Depending on how it goes, if we start losing people, we we are not from us from a force perspective. We are not set up to have the kind of casualty losses that would engage in something or that would result from something like that without stepping into this kind of very drastic move. Oh, that that I would, that I would agree. <laughs> But uh, so have you tweeted out since you're Mister Tweet Tweet? Have you tweeted out that uh, a you you tested negative for COVID and you've pulled yourself out of the coaching job for the Bears? <laughs> I, uh, <clears throat> I I I thought it was interesting. They jumped they jumped on their first GM choice. You know, we we got the same situation in uh, same situation in Denver, but but Denver moves a lot more slowly because of the ownership cartel. You know, it's not a it's not a single point of ownership. Um, I, I you know I, I would love to see I would love to see the Bears come back. You know I would love to see them get back into the into the mix of, of intelligent conversation and maybe you know maybe the Aaron Rodgers uh, the end of the Aaron Rodgers decade in Green Bay is is upon us and you know I, I don't I don't know but I would love to see the Bears become a, a a regular player in, in, in the NFL. 
and and while while we're talking about it, that was probably the greatest weekend of football in oh, yeah. terms of entertainment value I've ever seen last weekend. What is what is going on? Uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's a million reasons for it, but that's why I'm asking you. What is? I mean, a lot of it is, is spectacular quarterbacking and all this stuff, but uh, an awful lot of it is. With with you know a minute left on the clock, you don't let some guy run all the way down the field and get behind your safeties. I mean, so, what happens to the defense? So why did you think? Why did you think? So so this was an interesting discussion on on between uh, uh, Kornheiser and Wilbon on Cooper Cup being wide open not once but twice. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. In the last in the last minute and eight seconds, why do you think that happened? I, and, and I don't know. Are you, are you familiar with this with this theory? This is, this is, I think, Wilbon's theory, but they, they had talked to some people, and I thought this was fascinating. It's because he's a white guy. And, and that the average, you know, the, the average black defensive back in the NFL looks at this guy and goes, this guy can't outrun me. You know? I thought that was fascinating that somebody would I can't believe that that would even, the guy's got every stat in the book. I mean, why, why, why didn't they try and, even though he only had 13 seconds, when they kick the ball out of the end zone, I'm sitting there. What's the matter with these guys? They could have they could have used up five seconds on the ground if they were just kicked a squib kick down the field. What, what is? What, what, uh, what well, I, I think at that point they were looking at their chances of winning, and their chances of winning were somewhere above ninety percent. Yeah, but still ninety five percent. And they said, you know what? Let's just we don't want to take it. We don't want to run the risk of having some stupid run back issue. Let's get our defense on the field where we can control things. Kickoffs are uncontrolled. Let's just, yeah, but they, let's just get let's just get the ball, you know, on the twenty five. We'll know where it is, and, yeah, if, and if you'd we've, have, we've got control. I if, understand that. If you'd, have, if you'd have banged it off a couple of people, you could have used ten seconds for God's sake. But, but but you could bang it off a couple of people, and you can't script that. You can't control what's going to happen when that ball goes in play on a kickoff return. The stupid stuff that can happen there: the laterals, the fumbles, the the guy, you know, missing tackles. You you could I've you, you know what I've never seen zone, you put your defense on the field in a known situation. In in hindsight, I'd rather deal with the unknown of a kick return than give the ball to Mahomes. <laughs> well, uh, you're, you're going to give the ball to Mahomes. You, you figure you're going to give him the ball anyway. So the question is how much time have you got? Yeah, and and I I mean I would have I would have confidence if if I was you know if I was the Bills. I would have confidence in my ability with 13 seconds on the clock to keep them out of field goal range. Well, not by but, but, not by rushing what they did. Instead, why not put eight people back lined up somewhere? I mean, you don't. You need, they need 30 yards twice, and they gave it to them. You, you hold them to 15 twice, and they get nowhere. Anyway, uh, we got. I, I, I get it. We got a dash, but thank you, Lou, for all the good stuff. SP Futures up 15, Nasdaq Futures up 88. Again, this is a big move from last night. Be right back, Mr. Danjanitis. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, 
Give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed, and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of Home Source Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. There's something happening here. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Alley, Matt Weber on the board. SP Futures now up 19, NASDAQ Futures up 97. When it starts to go one way or the other, the last few days, you just got to sort of get out of the way. Dan, how are you, bud? I'm, I'm fine. I'm, I'm good. How are you? Oh, you bought Spoo's down 55 last night and you're selling them now and you're uh, heading <laughs> off to buy your yacht? <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, but just like you said, you're, you're, you know, you have to kind of get out of the way of these moves. They're, they're, uh, you know, yesterday was like a whipsaw. Um, as Jerome Powell did a speech, you know, he um, just uh, could see, you know, such uncertainty in the market, you know, volatility. And, and uh, I think, you know, I think a good part of it is that he's not really saying a whole lot that's new. Um, I think a good part of it is also that um, uh, investors want to see, um, want to hear something. Uh, concrete rather than just this, this sort of wait and see and this sort of reactive rather than proactive attitude about addressing rates and addressing the balance sheet. So we're, um, you know, it, it's liable to bring some, you know, volatility to the market and some investors that are just confused and, and want a little more leadership and want someone that's going to, you know, stick their neck out and say, you know, something more than just the, you know what is what they have been saying, which is, yeah, of course we're going to have higher rates if there's inflation. Well, of course there's inflation, <laughs> and so you know, I I think there would be a disappointment if we didn't see anything. I think we could, could possibly see a sell-off in the market if we don't see anything by um, March by the by the March meeting. I think it's built into the uh, it's already been built into the, the the stock market, and rates have certainly 
are showing now with the two year at 108 and the 10 year at 187, um, they're already showing that the, this rate increase has been built in. So, um, you know, as, as somebody said yesterday, a little too much, a little too late is probably the worst scenario. And we're hoping that's what doesn't happen um, at well, this point. So, I, uh, uh, I just, I'm, I, you know, whatever. You'll, you'll probably disagree and you'll probably be right. Uh, over the last 12 months, if you were to take a collage, if Mr. Weber was very good at this, were to, were to cut up this guy's news conferences and I'll say the last two years and uh, and just pick out the highlights of we're not even ever even thinking about inflation we're not doing this it's transitory if you were to take this the last two years I can't I can't imagine I happen to actually like the guy but somehow or another who's who's ever got his ear or is pushing him around because I don't think he's doing this on his own who's ever who's, who's ever pushing him around this is the biggest load of crap I've ever seen out of an individual in two years in that kind of power position, ever. I mean, you can't believe a word the guy says. I absolutely, no, I absolutely agree. We're on the, the same side there. It's, and, and, you know, somebody made a comment about it being, you know, being political and, you know, how much politics is involved here. And, and, and somebody else said, absolutely. And I believe absolutely. I mean, there's, there's, um, you know, and I'm not sure it's being done in the proper way, but being, you know, reacting to inflation once it once it's happened isn't necessarily the the, the job of anybody in in our field, and um, let alone the Federal Reserve, who is supposed to be anticipating changes and supposed to be protecting um, the economy by you know making these decisions um, at least a little bit in advance before they do become bigger problems and. Focusing on the things that are important, um, and I, you're right. When I hear them speak, well, I heard him speak, and when I when I hear the responses to it, I hear um, you know a you know a controlled response that very much reeks of you know what's best for the political environment, and not really what they should be doing economically at this stage in the cycle. At this stage in the cycle. Going back many, many cycles in the credit cycle, interest rates go up. And it's not a question of being afraid of it. It's a question of acknowledging it and, and making these changes. We had a lot of, I think, the, when, the, when rates were coming down, if you look at the, the chart, there's a stepping down. There's a step down, a step down each month, each period. There's a, there's a step down. There's no drastic action that was taken. It was a controlled, planned, um, and it worked. You know, it kept our, our economy and our, uh, you know, financial market strong during that period. And likewise, I think the majority of us want to see the same thing on the way up, but we want to see the Fed leading it and not lagging it. <laughs> and well, yeah. certainly being a little bit more um, uh, descriptive, you know, and, and a little more specific in their in their um, recommendations and their in their speech. And it's... it's um, you know, at this point, after we've heard for so many times, we'll wait and see. We'll we want to see what inflation looks like. Well, you know, it's still going to be there next month. I mean, there's no, nobody that's going to suddenly take inflation out of the picture. We still have supply chain issues. All the companies I speak to still say that we have, um, they, you know, labor issues, hiring labor, wage inflation. All of that is still there, and um, you know that. They continue to talk about Omicron. I, I continue to think of it more in the secular, you know, much bigger picture. Um, and this is what happens in the bigger picture. And 
a lot of people have short memories, but, you know, you have to go back to the last time that we saw our credit, you know, the credit cycle move um, to a more tightening, um, you know, mode, and that's what needs to happen again. I mean, well, the, I just, just, I'm getting, as I, as I watch this, uh, Dan and I, you know, see, see it on play out, play out in front of us, and, uh, and let's put it this way, for me, it's been, it's been very good for business. It's been, it's been, uh, we've been, well, I don't know, I guess maybe it's good or it isn't so good, but the, as you know, I'm with the group and I do some of the protective stuff, and, yes. and we've been, you know, we've been trading more than we ever have, and, uh, you know, in in in, situ- in in positions that you should be trading once a week, we're trading twice a day. Uh, you know, because we get paid, we don't get paid for that, but uh, that's another story. But the um, uh, but the people who just want to be long are getting eviscerated. You know, especially the people who love the Kathy Woods crap, basically. That's right. Yeah. Uh, or well, the anti Kathy Woods now. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, but I mean, I I, I know. I think I know that somewhere along the line, last night we opened like unchanged. Before I went to bed after watching the Irish, I look and we're down 55 points or something in the spoos. What was the Dow down? 500 or 400 something? It was unbelievable last night, right? Oh. And, uh, yeah, the move. Yeah, and then all of a sudden this morning, we're, we're up and people are buying. Uh, you, you, you can't, I mean, you could, because I, I, when you criticize me, I, I take it to heart. Other people I don't necessarily so much. Uh, you can't tell me that some word out of some bank out of some federal reserve guy uh last night or somebody didn't inject some money in the system that just doesn't happen then i mean that that's that a 70 point move used to be a, a three week phenomenon now now right. it's, i mean you, you can't tell me that the news this morning wherever the news is being made is the news that was on was was there at 11 o'clock last night something changed you know and, and we're not getting them I mean, even yesterday they they put out what a two part statement they put out a, a, a part about the uh, uh, what the, what the policy, and then an hour later, they came out with what they're going to do with the balance sheet. Did you? I didn't get that. Did you? I mean, this this you know getting getting rid of the money supply numbers. I've never seen a, a, a less transparent. And again, at an individual level, I'm sure I'd like the guy a less transparent government official than this guy. Yeah, I, I would agree, and 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 also um, maybe a less. Well, less transparent and, and less um, uh, confident, you know, in, in, in terms of, uh, you know, we will be doing the, the right thing at the right time. And I don't get that sense. It's more of a, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see and, and, you know, how much worse does inflation have to get and um, before something's going to be done. But, I, but I, you know, in, investors, we like to, to hear it. And my style, like your style, tends to be, do well in these volatile periods. It's it, it tends to seek out absolute return, even when the market is down. So we have weathered the, the, the you know this volatility quite well, and you know our accounts are actually in positive territory year to date, which um, which is I think a nice then a, a nice feat. But like you said, for those people who have been, have gotten used to doing long only, and especially in you know more than Nasdaq names or in the tech tech names. You know, I think many of them are confused. Um, they haven't been through a market cycle and a market downturn, and you know, I, I think they just take bits and pieces of what they're hearing on um, from some of the, not only from the Fed, but from some of the reporters who are reporting the information and maybe putting a spin on it. 
in terms of the, what the Fed is going to do or is likely to do. And I think, frankly, we should be focusing more on the long term. And, you know, day-to-day activity, day-to-day stories are not really going to be the things that drive um, the markets long term. And this is the, the part of the cycle. You know, we have a, a very tight labor market. You know, very likely we're going to continue to see uh, labor you know, wages go up. We're going to see more inflation there, and then it's going to trickle down. And I don't know about you, but each time I go to the grocery store, it, you know, there's either less meat or higher prices or a combination of both. Um, so you don't, you know, or, or when you go to the gas pump, so that you don't have to um, be reading all of the, you know, people don't have to be following everything that we follow on a daily basis to know that we're in that situation. I think if we had a little more confidence from the um from the Fed, we have a lot less volatility. Well, just in terms of the in- inflation stuff, I, I, I honestly wish. Of course, we're not, I don't think every man gets his. They they do on this show because because we're all every man. <laughs> they're honest. They would, we don't have any grand poobahs here. I don't think. If we do, I I don't know who they are. I get rid of them. But uh, we have you know we have people that are accomplished in it, it, what they do. I mean, clearly you are and. I think to a certain extent, I am. Lou is. We have, you know, we have professors on it, but we're, we're we're regular people that are willing to basically give their time uh, to, to make a little stab at the truth. Our, our little our little piece of the world is what we're doing here. And right. I look at this. I look at this mess. I look at this guy. I I I don't I don't think right now that the to me somebody somewhere and it's not him. It's somebody in the administration. Uh, they don't want to make the same mistake that Jimmy Carter did, which essentially yeah. throw the thing, throw the mark, throw the uh, thinking you have the election won, and and saying we, well, it's better for the economy to go into recession now than to us to prop it up for a year. But this guy has that doesn't have anywhere near the the decency that Jimmy Carter had. I don't think. Right. I mean, when I mean, Jimmy Carter, like him or hate him, the man was amazingly decent. Right, and he would oh, yeah. he, he would never do that to a country just to get himself elected. And guess what? He wasn't elected. So, and, and maybe that was a good thing. I, I don't know. But but the the simple fact is, these guys are trying to figure out: can we weather this inflation without taking apart the asset prices for the one or two percenters that really control the place? Can we hang out until November? I think they're making a real bad bet because I don't think they can. But I think I, I think right now. I mean, I don't know. Tell me I'm wrong here, but I'm absolutely convinced. Anybody who looks at the inflation numbers right now sees the numbers and then sees what they really are, or at least imagines what they really might be, um, and sits there where you're talking about a a 0.25% interest rate. You're telling me you couldn't have raised that to 0.5 yesterday? It's just just a minor start? I mean, you're still... You're you're still in, and you and I trying to fill up late me by peeing off the Hoover Dam. I mean, we're not. We're not I mean, we're not even on the same planet of what you need to do to actually turn this thing around. But he's he's hoping that somehow Biden's talking about antitrust is cutting. That somehow or another he gets a slight reprieve in these uh, CPI numbers in the last two months. Where even if they show it going down a little, the entire press is willing to say. Oh, it looks like inflation is going to going to flare out on its own, even though they're still doing eleven, twelve percent money supply numbers a month. Uh, they're, they're, that's the story where he doesn't even want to have to do it in in March, and he's given himself a hope that he doesn't have to raise this at all ever, and that somehow or another the market stays up there, and the midterm elections aren't as bad as they think they would be if the market goes down thirty percent. I mean, wh- wh- where am I wrong here in this? I mean, I wish I was. 
No, I mean, I'm hearing the same thing, and I'm interpreting it the same way, and, and, and I don't think you're wrong. I think that's, that, that sort of um, vague communication or lack of communication um, or maybe just, you know, selective communication in terms of, of the way things are going has definitely been um, clouded by, you know, politics and, and trying to do something short-term possibly and, you know, as, as a number of people have said, and I agree, if we get to a place where too much is done too fast, that is not going to be good. Um, that's going to really stir up the markets. And we don't need, you know, what we need now more than anything is, is some stability in terms of um, any type of talk that we're hearing from the Fed and, and a lot less of this, you know, wishy-washy is what I call it, um, um, talk and, and really not a clear agenda and, and very short-term focus. So um, I think in this environment, one way to handle this is to certainly to pay attention um, is, you know, hard as it is to, to remain calm and to be, you know, to have, uh, you know, strong conviction in, the, in the, the names that you are invested in, to look for ways to hedge, um, as you guys do and as we do too, in terms of looking for other asset categories, you know, continuing to uh, stay invested in REITs and utilities and short-term high yield, um, which is going to give you some balance during this volatile time. And I don't know that this is the time to take risk, but if you're a day trader and you want to trade off this volatility, go right ahead. I think, you you know, you can probably make some money if you can figure out the, you know, the what's going on with some of this um, Fed speak. Um, but I would still stay focused, as we do, for the long term and stay focused on those investments that we like long term that are going to weather this period of volatility and, and uncertainty. And when we start seeing things correct or, or at least level out or at least um, become stated in a factual way, you know, here's where we are with inflation, here's where our target is, um, and we can see a plan to get there, which I think is missing, um, then I think we're going to see some, you know, some uh, change for the, for the positive of the market. And by that, I mean a little less stability, um, a little more stability. Uh, you know, looking again at the Build Back Better plan, you know, I kind of dissected that a few times and, and see a few things that could be positive for inflation. And, you know, the I think the, the simplest element that I can take out of it is we're talking about child um, child care, which, you know, if child care is, if there's a tax break for child care, yeah, I do think that would help get more people back to work. Um, but if we have a child tax credit, or if that's extended, I don't think that's going to get more people back to work. So I think you ha- there has to be some common sense that's put into, you know, the decisions to promote um, those um parts of that bill that are going to actually do something to help inflation and not really just all the political, you know, back back and forth trying to get everything. I think there is there's definitely, um, you know, you have to really look for ways in here to, get, to support people to get them back to work. There are so many people that are sitting on the sidelines. There's so many people that have decided to, you know, to step out of the workforce, and I think that's causing a big part of the disruption that we're We'll continue to see until there's some reversal, until there's some either policy that changes this or people frankly wake up and say, hey, I can't afford, you know, $10 for, for, for a dozen eggs anymore. Um, I'm going to have to go back 
to work. There has to be a point where um, this, this levels out, and hopefully, um, I want to still have some faith in the in the, the Fed. Although I've lost a fair amount of it recently, but I want to have some faith that they're going to at least start coming up with a more definitive plan that those of us, both on our side, who are the investors, and those of us at the company management level can plan their, you know, can plan their finances, can plan their, their structure, their por- portfolios, can plan their business, can step forward with the business plan and actually feel confident that, that it can be implemented. Well, Dan, you and I know, I think in our heart of hearts, where, where they need to go. They have, you can't be in a place forever where people that, that even though you manage through uh, working your fanning off, basically, find pretty safe places to make essentially a few bucks. The, you should be able, you should be returning people, the risk-free rate should be two and a half or three. Through your work, you should be able to get somebody damn near risk-free for six and a half or seven. Yeah. You're doing that amount of work now to get them three. You shouldn't have right. to do that. That's insane. Exactly. I mean, the idea that, 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 that somebody gets to use my money for free if they're the right people for a long, I'm not talking about you know, uh, a war or COVID or something like that where we all have to take one for the team. I'm more than willing to do that. This has become a long-term situation. You get to pay 20% on your credit card. I get to borrow for two. Wait a minute. Who the hell are you? Right. You know, I mean, this, this, this is wrong, but you're so far out there. And some people, I, we, the inflation, I mean, you're, you've been talking about it. I've been talking. You sound a little bit like Mike, Mike me today. I hope I'm not rubbing off on you. Uh, <laughs> God, that would be bad, Dan, uh, turning into me. Uh, we're we're setting our our people up, our people collectively. We can be the dumbest people on earth. Individually, I think we're all pretty smart. We're just getting set up for if gas goes to three fifty a gallon from two fifty, and stays there for two months, or if you a used jalopy goes from five thousand to twelve thousand, and all of a sudden uh, plateaus there, that somehow we're over it, and they, and they, and they and they're over they're over to, they're over the hump. No, they're not. Unless people's salary doubles to make up for it, which it's not going to happen, you've just you've just eviscerated your gang, <laughs> you know, haven't you? Right? Yeah, I mean, it's just I think it's very difficult to to do any type of you know planning or budgeting. And even some of the companies I'm speaking to are saying, you know, we're we're holding off on providing that type of guidance. You know, a number of companies have held off on providing guidance that they normally would have not only for the next quarter but for the full year. This being the beginning of the year. You just, to give you a you know an idea on on spending, capital spending, um, capex, and and you know employment, labor, where where they're handling. I think a lot of them just don't know at this point um, where things are going. And um, you know there are efforts that are being made. I think to you know for those companies who have done well during this environment, you know the ones who have retained their employees. Um, I think there are companies that are able to pass along the costs. A fair amount of the costs. But what I'm hearing across the board is if the labor part of the of the business uh, of your SGNA, if that continues to increase um, on a you know an absolute basis, and you don't have you know you don't have pricing power going forward, then there could be some you know issues that will continue to you know support um, higher inflation. And uh, you know, it's I would rather that something be done ahead of time by the Fed so that. Not only um, companies, but individual people aren't going to be the ones who bear the brunt of this. And unfortunately, it's generally the people at the lower end of the, you know, the pay scale that have the uh, toughest challenge. 
um, because they don't have, you know, the extra money in reserves to pay for the extra necessities of life, and that isn't going to help life. It's not going to help things. So well, our, our guy yesterday said that we went back that we're not going to uh, manage this through the balance sheet. We're going to manage it through the federal funds rate. Please, right, pl- please, well. please tell me. For the people I know in that business, there's no, there is no federal funds rate. Right. There's no bank borrows from another bank now. The money goes. There's so much money in the system it goes back to the Fed at night. Does anybody borrow in her bank at night except some maybe small bank? I, I agree. Yeah. I when I heard that, I was I was quite surprised. I thought you know originally I thought I heard it's going to be a combination, and then the last what I heard is the primary focus was going to be on the on the, the targeting the Fed funds rate and and. You know, and again, still we're sitting here waiting for, for something to happen. Um, and I don't really think that's the nature of our business. Our business is, nature of our business is to think ahead, to plan ahead, to anticipate. You know, when you're making a good investment decision, it's based on, on an expectation for what is going to happen in the future. And, you know, make the determination on the valuation. Um, but even that's going to change if we don't get a, um, you know, a more, a better commitment from the Fed, and, a, and you know more something more tangible in terms of of a, Dan, a we're, plan, we're, even some a short term plan, but a, a, a medium term plan at the best. Where would you put um, if, you, if you were uh, teaching a class? With, boy, if you were teaching a class, I'd show up. But uh, if if you were teaching a class and we were to say, here's a neutral rate, here's an expansion rate, here's like a really expansionary rate, here's a contractionary rate, and here's one where we really missed and we're we're fighting. It. Where, where would you put neutral? Well, if, if we're talking about inflation, you mean? No, a neutral Fed funds yeah. rate. If there was such a thing as a Fed's funds, which I'm not so sure there even is anymore, but say there was a neutral risk-free rate, where would you put it? I think we'd have to be, you know, I think most logically we'd have to be in a in a 3 to 6% range. Um, well, I'm talking about short term, so so 3 basically. Three, right. Yeah, that's exactly where where everybody on this show <laughs> that has yeah. some knowledge of economics, you might get a two seven five in there, but virtually everybody's two seven five three three ten somewhere in there. Right, and, in the short end, absolutely. And uh, and so we're at we're at point two five. And it, it, to go. I mean, it's, it's like <laughs> at a at a quarter point every three months. How <laughs> We're 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 a, we're a decade to neutral for God's sake, little not quite a decade, but uh, we're five years to neutral. Yeah, I'm not really sure where the you know the the, the Fed is going to you know I don't again too much too late is not the is not going to help at all. That's going to cause increase. It's going to cause a lack of confidence in the system, and it's going to cause an increased level of volatility and. Probably be very disruptive to many companies because they can't plan their cost of capital and you know their growth and their you know acquisitions and so forth and um, that's going to be the I think that those things are going to make it much more difficult um, for companies um, and I think we're already there <laughs> I think there's already challenges on that level but um, yeah we do need to get back to three percent on the lo- on the short end. What um, the guys that you're uh the, the the people who uh, say the, the smaller ends of your guys, not, not the uh, the storage guys, because they have you know they've got all kinds of land and, and stuff that they can probably borrow a pretty good rate. But your 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 smaller end, even the, the asphalt people and stuff, not that they're small, they're not. If 
if they're if what is what is their rate that they get out of a bank for short term stuff for you know for their uh you know say for factoring or any their 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 normal needs coming out of a bank what are they paying these guys do you have any idea yeah so it really very it varies tremendously by company i mean thunderbird which is one of the names that i'm you know that i'm always pounding the table on they're they're um you know they're very happy that they don't have any corporate debt that they they've been able to minimize their corporate debt but I'm hearing, you know, low end, you know, like 275-ish. Um, and for the companies that really are small that don't have, you know, assets, you know, you know, to back them, you know, they're going to go higher from there, four, five percent. Um, we just had one of our, our bonds, which I've spoken about before, Southwestern Energy, natural gas company called their bonds and they were four percent coupon. So for them to call the bonds at four, they know that they can they can refinance at a lower rate. So currently they're, we're in an environment where they, they are able to refinance at less than four percent. Um, so so they so they're doing pretty good. They're not it's not it's not eight or nine or seven like no, a, not yet. like a plumbing no, company it's, or it's something. Not there yet it's it's still it's still relatively low. So um, you know, and these are decent companies. They're not you know AAA rated, but they're they're not the you know, they're not. I wouldn't classify them as junk either. So, but I'm thinking like the the builders, the plumbers, those kind of guys are probably what seven, six and a half, somewhere. Probably a little bit higher, especially the smaller you go. So they're not they're yeah. not being doing any big favors by the Fed if you're small, basically. Yeah, but um, I think some of it is you know there's sort of been a transition in the in the world of you know the working world in general, and I think those people who are you know, I think there's going to be, you know, what happens in this sort of, it almost becomes a stagflation environment where um, there's less growth, um, and the less growth may be based on the fact that we're forced into much higher rates. I don't think we're there yet. I think we're still at lower levels pretty much across the board. Um, so Man, Dan, you can't, sure you can't, even though we started it here on the show, you can't say stagflation. That's like yelling shank out on the practice tee. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But uh, well, I would say inflation without growth. Yes, you know, it's, 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 <laughs> we, we got a dash, but that was a good one. <laughs> At least you brought it up. I usually bring it up. At least it wasn't me. I can blame you for today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I think we're. I, I, I still think we're okay. There's enough money on the sidelines. Um, you know, we still have you know very high, highly valued, highly. Um, Inflated, but a highly valued uh, property, you know, real estate, um, retirement accounts. So I think we're still in good shape. I think we are too. If we don't mess it up more, but I'm worried about that. Take care, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah. SP Futures up twenty one. Nasdaq Futures up ninety. Be back, Mr. John Flanagan. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading 
ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know. All while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities. They play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Hello and welcome back to Station Jacks. I'm Tom Howie's Mr. Bro Weber. SP Futures up 18 now. NASDAQ Futures up 80. A huge turnaround from last night when we were slightly up to unchanged and then we were down 50, 50 in the S&P and now we're up 17. We're up as, up as much as 20. So that's a 70 point up and down. We haven't even started the damn day yet, which is, uh, pretty interesting. Uh, Dow Futures up 87. Uh, we just have a breaking news here. GDP grew at a 6.9% pace to close out 2021. Stronger than expected despite Omicron spread. I haven't been able to dig out where the uh, deflator is on that to try and figure out how much inflation uh, is involved in that number. We, we'll, I'll try and find it here at some point. Um, over in Europe, we've got... These guys were, were down early, heavy. I mean, no, it was Asia's down. Dex down 14. We'll call that flat. FTSE up 56.7. Heck around up 5.08. So it looks like kind of an inside day over in Europe for, for a change. Maybe we'll have one here, too. Uh, Nikkei down 841, that's over 3%, 3.1. Shanghai down 61, 1.8%. Hang Seng down 42, that's a full 2%. So no inside day over in Asia, they're, they're down heavy. Uh, our bonds are, uh, oh, just wait a minute, the way review yesterday, Dow was down 129, S&P down 6, NASDAQ up 2 after being way up most of the day, closed up pretty much down. Uh, bonds, 10 year unchanged at 1.84. The bond up up uh, two basis points to uh, minus point zero four, making another run at zero. Again, we popped above zero. I believe it was a week ago Monday, and then it came right back down again. Japan up two uh, basis points to uh, positive point one six. Oil up another fifty four cents, eighty seven eighty nine. Not that far from a hundred. Maybe I'll be wrong yet again by saying I don't think it was going to get there. It just might. Ran up fifty seven cents, ninety fifty three. Natural gas up a penny, four twenty-nine. Arbob up two cents, two fifty-four. Got gold taking it on the chin, down twenty-five bucks, eighteen oh four. It's down one point four percent. Silver down eighty-one cents, twenty-two ninety-nine. And we've got Bitcoin uh, down four twenty-six to thirty-six thousand six twenty-one, uh, way below the sixty-three thousand number, but also above where it ducked to thirty the other day. So it's at least made a comeback from that. Maybe what do you got for us? Traffic, weather, sports. 38 minutes past the hour. Good morning once again to everyone out there. Still uh, working on that uh, overnight crash on the Ryan that has the three right lanes blocked on the inbound side just before 83rd Street. It was a semi rear-ending another semi earlier this morning that caused uh, not only serious injuries for the uh, two drivers involved, but it also spilled drywall all over the expressway. Uh, That was uh, one of the semi's loads. So three lanes blocked and have been for the last uh, five hours or so on the inbound at Dan Ryan. So that's just an absolute mess. But it's really our only mess 
so far on the area expressways. Normal traffic volumes building on the Edens and Kennedy, but no accidents to report. Same for the Eisenhower, although we do have a crash on the inbound Ike on the exit ramp, right at the exit for US-20, which is uh, North Avenue out in the western suburbs. Outbound side looking okay. Stevenson all quiet. Uh, same for the rest of the South Side Expressways outside of the inbound Ryan. Lakeshore Drive also looking good. Weather today, cloudy skies, but a high of 31, so uh, considerably warmer than it's been the last few days, but still below freezing. Right now it's cloudy and 22, uh, with wind chills uh, right around uh, 11 degrees above zero. For our Phoenix listeners, sunshine with a high of 70 today. Right now it's clear and 43. In sports, the Bulls beat the Raptors last night uh, at the United Center, 111-105. to 105. Suns beat the Jazz, 105-97. to 97. In hockey, it was the Blackhawks uh, blowing out the Red Wings in Detroit, 8-5 to 5 was the final in that one. The Bears' uh, new general manager, Ryan Poles, was busy interviewing head coaching uh, candidates. Uh, he apparently interviewed Matt Eberflus, who's the defensive coordinator for the Colts, and he also interviewed Dan Quinn, who's currently the defensive coordinator of the Cowboys, but was the uh, former Falcons head coach that took the Falcons to the Super Bowl before famously blowing the 28-3 lead against Tom Brady in the Super Bowl a few years back. Jim Caldwell, veteran uh, former head coach of the Colts, among other stops, is also a leading candidate. Uh, But we'll find out soon who the next uh, Bears head coach will be. College Hoops, lastly, Notre Dame beat NC State 73-65, and it was Northwestern losing at Michigan 72-70. Chief. Yeah, sure. uh, Looking... Better and better, and so is uh, Marquette's up to what twenty two now with all those freshmen twenty two rank. Yeah, Marquette is red hot right now. They're 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 uh, not as talented as I think they will be once uh, Shaka Smart starts getting his guys in there. But uh, they're he's got ten freshmen. Those are his, right? Very much overachieving, um, I would say. Uh, they're uh, yeah, they're twenty second ranked, and they won again last night with a big win against Seton Hall, who's been a kind of a rank in and out of the top twenty five rankings. All Who's season. this uh, the guard? My buddy, Mr. Burphy, keeps telling me could be All American freshman year. I have no idea their names on Marquette, yeah, I don't but, know either, but but uh, I've, I have watched them play a few times, and um, you know I don't. I, I'm very surprised by their their good start here because I don't think they're that good. But hey, you know they've they're, they're proven a lot of people wrong, including me. Uh, and then you have the that Notre Dame in the ACC, which I think the ACC is very down this year. Yep. But still, they're six and two in the conference, which is good enough to be tied for second place right now behind a surprising Miami team who's seven and two. Uh, so even though, you know, the, 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 you know, Duke is still a top ten team, but North Carolina is way down. Virginia is way down. Louisville just fired their coach. Syracuse is way down. So the, the ACC is a shell of what it's been. Um, but hey, good for the Irish. They're, uh, they're back in the NCAA tournament conversation and, uh. We got some kid they're talking about being a, uh, a pick this year. Um, yeah, they have a, a young guy that supposedly yeah. uh, is, a, is the real deal. He, 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 he beat the one guy out of his job after two years. He was supposed to be a big recruit, and this guy's getting more and more minutes, and he's he's pretty good. John, how are you? Did you watch him last night on the marquee? I didn't, Tom. I was in bed at a, a decent hour. Oh, God. <laughs> well, well, Kevin went to the game. Nine o'clock start in South Bend. Where, where does that come from, Eddie? TV. With That's the, what a lot nine of nine o'clock start. Yeah, it's a, a lot of uh, schools are dealing with this now. I know a lot of the Big Ten coaches are getting frustrated because um, you either play at uh, five thirty or six p.m. local time to get, to get the early time slot, 
and then and then if you if you play the late time slot, you're tipping off at eight or eight fifteen local time, and sometimes later if you're in the Eastern time zone. Um, and so, uh, yeah, the the days of, of of playing a you know Tuesday or a Wednesday game at seven p.m. and then a Saturday or Sunday afternoon game, and those were your two games that week. Those days are long gone. Now you're yeah. you're playing every night of the week. Uh, depending on you know what slot you draw in the TV game, and you're either playing at a weird time like five thirty or six, or you're playing a super late game like Notre Dame did last night. Yeah, because that, that, that must take a huge toll on the athletes. God, well, well they don't care about them. Nobody cares yeah. about that. <laughs> but they're also not, they're not in school. What it's really doing though is uh, it's really hurting uh, attendance. Yeah, oh yeah, because um, you know it. People one, all the games are on TV now, so people are very comfortable just watching them on TV. But two, I mean, who wants, especially in the winter, if you're in a kind of a crappy climate, who wants to drive a half an hour, deal with parking and whatever, even if it's cheap prices, which a lot of these are cheap prices, for a Tuesday night game at 9 p.m. local time tip? Like I would never do that. Well, Kevin was, uh, I, I turned a game on, and they they weren't showing the up. Well, it's a little unfair because the students aren't there; they're they're on break, right? Yeah. But uh, I'm going to say uh, it was Kevin and 50 friends. I mean, not 50, but it was family and friends. Uh, there's been a lot of that. Um, in, in uh, Yeah, there's been a lot of that around college basketball that I've noticed. Yeah, the uh, um, Janet, we, we were eyes glued to the, the, the TV yesterday and the, all the economic stuff flying around, see the market going all over the place? Or Oh, man. Crazy, huh? I can only check in like once every hour, hour and a half, because <laughs> otherwise, you know, you, be, you become f- fixated by... You think the whole world is just on the precipice or something, and I hate that kind of feeling, so I don't want to feed it, but uh, it keeps you guessing, I'll tell you that. Well, I don't like that the market is so flimsy to me, and the whole thing's such a joke to me, that it uh, it goes up inexplicably for a long time, and then it goes down inexplicably for a long time, and then yesterday it seems to bounce back, and you're like, okay, that's good, and then all of a sudden some guy comes, comes on TV and, and talks, and then it just completely crashes. And then overnight last night, it's way down, and then it's way up, and now it's kind of flat. It's just, it's so fickle. It's like, how, how, how can anyone be expected to invest in this? Well, we're, we're, we're talking about, you know, some of these companies are reaching a trillion dollar valuation. I mean, we're, it's, it's massive amounts of money. And, and people are, some of these places are being priced because of the money that poured into the system, in one man's opinion. The price that, you know, many, if you, I mean, you're, you're, you're aging like the rest of us, right? Uh, you're reaching a point now where even you are going to say, okay, I want to buy that building. By the way, how much is the rent? How much is the expenses? What's my net? Uh, and what's the, what are the taxes? And here's what I'll pay for it. There's, there's some fundamental idea with that. But every once in a while when people start pouring money in, and we've seen it happen four or five times in my lifetime, prices get out of hand. Oh, man, these guys, two years from now, it's going to be double. It's going to be this. It's going to be click-throughs. It's going to be... You know, whatever the hell it was in 2000, there, there's some crazy stuff goes off. The, like, uh, I mean, it's, it's not new. And NBC was the uh, the first uh, TV thing, right? Right, right Jan? They yeah. they were they they get. I think they reached a higher price. And I should check this before I say it, but I think they reached a higher price before the first t- TV even went out to people. And then all of a sudden, uh, it was like 15 years before the price got to that price again, when there are a gazillion TVs around. I mean, you can get so far ahead of yourself, uh, and, but it's usually accompanied by too much money hitting the system. I mean, the, the 2000 fiasco, uh, the dot-com, it, was, it, was, it had a long time coming because of the new technology and so forth. 
but it clearly was fed in the last six months by the Fed winging all kinds of money in because they're worried about Y2K. The, the money these guys put in, with all, with all the best intentions, and I guess I'll, I can still say that even though I don't believe it, with all the best intes- intentions that it's going to reach every man, they must know it never does. It meets it. It it, it goes to the top few chunks of the population. It goes right into asset prices, and the people that the rich people, the stuff that the rich people own, goes up in price. Right? I mean, it, that's that you can count on. Maybe, maybe you know, some might trickle down to the bottom, maybe in wartime or something, as all those people are, are working in plants and so forth. But just regular, I mean, it it doesn't. It, oh, it results in a loss of purchasing power yeah. for everybody, really in the bottom half, or yeah. maybe more than the bottom half. It could be a larger percentage than that, I suspect. But it's not, we're, get screwed. Yeah. But we're talking about people. I mean, I, you and I went to school like a real long time ago, and I just happened to be in this business where you got to keep your eye on this stuff because you're managing money for other people. I mean, that, that's my job, man. That's uh, you, you, you keep somebody, but these these people are are, are not are not that dumb, gentlemen. I mean, that's that's the one conclusion since I've been doing the show. Maybe it's because of Maddie. Uh, is I used to think the people in academia, which I include you, uh, I mean, Milton Friedman, George Stigler, those guys, they just assumed that the policy people didn't didn't sit in their class and didn't, like, learn the right way. And if they just would have sit there and, and go through five or six lectures that they were, they were people that had clean hearts and they were Pharaoh's wife and they were purer than Pharaoh's wife. Now I'm convinced all these people know all this stuff and they absolutely manipulate it. So some people make money and other people don't. And it, you know, it, I, I, it's a, it's a, it's kind of a, a horrible conclusion to come to. But but it sure seems to me to be every single time you see the same thing happen and the same people make money and the same people lose money. At some point, I, I figure I, if I don't believe it, I'm the dummy. I'm, I'm sitting here watching it, right? Yeah. Once, once you start putting your trust in yourself and, and these other people must be stupid or they wouldn't do such an idiotic thing that, that's so hurtful to so many people you, you're believing in the essential rightness and honesty of people which is always risky business <laughs> i think it is as you say by design it isn't that these people are just you know careless or stupid they're they're quite deliberate they yeah. know just exactly what they're doing and, and they probably you know have even worse motives than we're imputing to them right now but um, yeah, it, it is kind of a, a horrible realization to come to. Well, man, if, if we could drag Uncle Milty out of his grave and plop him down over here at the other microphone, I'm sure he would say, well, the Fed, they, they clearly are, are misled, and if they just read these two of my books, they'd, they'd straighten out. And I'm saying, oh, <laughs> and I, Milt, you got this all wrong, buddy, <laughs> I think. But, you know, he may be, I, let's put this, I hope he's right and I'm wrong, but I, I don't know about that. Well, Friedman is, is a, you know, there were there were there was competition to Friedman, you know. There, there were people who didn't, you know, buy into his ideas, and um, and you know, and yet, I mean, I, he he looks more right to me now than maybe he realized he was then. Well, the thing of it is, is is he did he did the amazing painstaking research. I once in a while, I mean, it's 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 a bad read. I mean, a monetary history of the United States. But you know, you get. A, I used to go through it just if I was gonna, had a topic on the show, I'd go like research that area because it's not something you can read from start to finish, right? It's an encyclopedia of money, for God's sake. I mean, how, how boring is that? Uh, but then, as I've as I've gone through it a few times, instead of just going through for getting his his opinion on stuff or what happened during areas, last time I actually took apart like a couple of these charts, 
Jan, it, it must have taken him and 15 people a month to do one chart. The amount of of hot money, slow money, they used to call it hot money back in like Civil War times and things like that. And how you could go back and get these numbers from 1868 or something, I have no idea. I mean, and yet they're, they're there and they, they've got, and they, their resources are this this piece of paper in government and this piece of paper in some newspaper and this from, from the various states and they how the hell I mean if if they gave us that if he gave us that chart to put together I mean there's got to be a hundred of them in there that would sit there and go man it's a year's work I mean it's 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 an amazing compilation of stuff and 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 the same kind of stuff happens over and over again where the money goes the prices go and and those kinds of things and. uh and it, it, it's so repetitive. I mean, then if you want to even go back to Rome, same thing, right? Yeah. I mean, and, and the people who do the heavy lifting, who you know, who can dig up numbers and present them intelligently and, and intelligibly for people, so that you know, it's it's readable as opposed to you know just a collection of stacks of paper. Those those historians, those economists, whatever. I mean, God bless them because that kind of heavy lifting. Um, if you do it well and honestly once, you know, it doesn't mean that you were always right in the way you assembled your data, but at least you've given people something to start with the next time, as long as these records are around somewhere and somebody's willing to sift through them. Um, but but I, I just admire people who have that kind of ability. It's just, you know, well, I, I, don't, I, know I don't think it's a completely lost art, but it certainly isn't valued in the same way. Well, it helps to be at a a major university that's spending gazillions of dollars when in those times of dollars on your library and your you know your, your your research and stock prices and all this. I mean, I can't. I mean, <laughs> I guess I put myself in the lazy ass category. Manny, what what would it take uh, for me or you? Because I think we both have the same laziness level. Uh, though yours is gonna with the baby coming, you're gonna have to up your game a little bit. Uh, what would it take for you and I to not find something on the internet and actually? Walk our ass down the block to the library and, and, and do some research. I'm going to say it would. I don't know what it would take for me. I haven't done it in 30 years, so it would have to be a lot. What would be the point? <laughs> You're like, if I can't find the internet, it can't be any good, right? <laughs> I mean, I'm well, saying everything in the library is on the internet. Uh, I don't know about that. Everything. Okay, well, that, that, that's one attitude. I don't know if it's true or not. <laughs> everything. <laughs> you can even you can even check out books on the internet and and get the digital copies. With a library card. All right, Jan, you were just at the Newberry Library a couple of weeks ago. What were you looking for that you couldn't find on the internet? I was looking for, you know, I, there were no digital copies of the New Republic magazine in 1919. And as far as I can tell, no library has a digital digitized collection of that you know, magazine. So there's lots of libraries with microfilm reels of it, one of which is the Newberry. Uh, Chicago Public Library doesn't have it, and then no other university library in Chicago that I could you know poke around in their collection had it either. So here I am in this you know pitch dark room at the Newberry Library scrolling through with an old microfilm reader. <laughs> and you know, they could probably make digitized images from those rolls, which is how a lot of newspapers have been preserved and are, are available online. But I don't know if they're of a high enough quality to make them searchable digitally so that you can actually, you know, Put in search terms and get you know responses with scans of these pages. So there's still a lot of this stuff um, that you know it, it hasn't completely vanished, but it, it takes a lot of you know energy and time and sometimes money to track it down and, and retrieve it. So that 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 
You know, it makes me a great believer in libraries, and I hate to see them you know, kind of inaccessible in times like this because it, it eventually, you know, trickles down into a greater stupidity, or you're starting from a, a lower point the next time when things open up and you can get back into some of these collections. Now, are you saying, and again, I, I hope you're right, are you saying that if for, if I got a hair up my behind and wanted to do some research on the on the on the panic of uh, 1907, that I could go online and get the Wall Street journals for that month? And uh, I don't know if I can. I don't think you can go back. There. I don't. I don't think you could without you know a you know subscription, you know a digital subscription to them. And a lot of these newspapers have have maintained their proprietary rights over their archives, and they haven't you know leased them out to other search engines. Um, you could probably find it, but you might might have to buy a copy of the paper, um, you know, which could be fifteen, twenty, whatever price they want to, you know, make for it, or buy a subscription to the whole collection, which you may have limited need for, and you don't want to spend that money because you could bankrupt yourself buying individual su- subscriptions to these papers. Yeah, John's um, right. I would say if if in that example, you may be able to find free versions. Um, I wouldn't say it's impossible. In fact, I would say it's it's very possible if not likely, but uh, you also may be in a position where they have it all blocked unless you pay for a, a subscription fee. Right. In that example. Right. So it's, it's, you know, somebody has has actually digitized it and they're, they're available, but they, they're not freely available and they're not, you know, even maybe reasonably priced to be considered available to people. So I, I belong to three of these newspaper subscriptions and, you know, there's a lot of Chicago newspapers I never heard of that I don't even know if they were ever on microfilm at all but you can get them on digital copies now but you have to pay you know 60 75 bucks a year or more to have them added to your collections so that you can search for them um and depending on how you know passionate you are about research you might think that's a bargain and i don't have cable tv so to me that's where my cable budget goes into (laughs) database subscriptions and ancestry and, and all these other things but after a while you know nobody has unlimited resources and um, it's like when Conrad Black did his book about FDR a couple of years ago. He bought up at, at auctions all of these letters that nobody else had a chance to buy because he just outbid them at these you know, fine yeah, arts yeah. auctions. So he had access to correspondence and papers that nobody else did. And he wrote a book about you know you based on it, but it isn't like he made it available for other people to read in their own way and in their own light. So. You know, the people with the money can kind of control the access points for the research, too. Yeah, this is a longer story than the time we have left, but I'll just lob this one out there. We had a, Maddie, we had a guy who showed up at PTI Securities. This is in the 90s. Could have been one of the most disgusting creatures that I've ever come across. As, as I told him, uh, hey, there's no smoking in this building. Of course, he lit up some disgusting uh, brown, brown cigarette. and uh, But the guy was in the document business. Get some huge warehouse in Vegas. All the if you wanted to auction off letters from Lincoln to USS Grant, or uh, uh, or from Grant to some colonel saying he's now a general. All this stuff these people have. And it, 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 all, it, it was fascinating. I'm going to dinner with the guy, but it was well, the reason why all the stuff from the White House is is all uh, documented and all able to is, is the White House to this day uses rag paper, right, Jan? The paper yep. doesn't disintegrate. And uh, every conceivable thing, a piece of, uh, I don't know if there would be stuff like newspapers and statistics, but um, you know, doing research is, but Matt, Matt's right. And, uh, and I'm going to say the University of Chicago was the first place that had the 
center of uh, securities pricing, where every up and down tick in the market since like 18-something uh, was there. But I'm going to say that Notre Dame has that now, Indiana's doing it. And every person that does it, Matty, it's probably cheaper than the first than the first guy, right? I mean, it's easier to do to yeah. say. I mean, and, you know, there there have been times where I've searched for something long and hard on the Internet, and I've found maybe a piece of it, but I haven't found the whole thing. So I'm not going to say it's it's 100% available now, but I'm saying every year more and more stuff is available. I would I mean, agree it's, with it's, it's crazy what you can find if you if you look hard enough and if you know how to look hard enough. Which makes it even more for the guys who did that before the Internet, how hard they had to work. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean when I was in school, if I, the, the Internet, let's just say, was not readily available uh until th- maybe the very end and, and it was nothing like it is today obviously i can't i can't imagine how easy it would have been to do papers if i could have just found all the information i needed with a couple <laughs> clicks well especially if the guy said i want him typed and you didn't have a typewriter didn't know how to type that's, that's what made you get a girlfriend you didn't even really like <laughs> I, I that's how i made money on, on the side in college time i used to type papers for people i know i was like, one of the people as you recall i charged them a dime a page yeah like one time maybe maybe more maybe it was a quarter by the time i graduated it kept you in beer and other things. Right. That's what, that's what was up thirty. That's what viewers up thirty four. Days they viewers up one thirty nine. Plus, maybe it helps to have an English major uh, type your paper. It always came back sounding a little bit better than it got there. If you know what I mean. Oh yeah. <laughs> we'll be back tomorrow, stocks and jacks. What do we learn, Palmer? I don't know, sir. I don't know either. I guess we learned not to do it again. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.